Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Jessica Humphreys. And me, Chris Pilau. And here's what's coming up on this week's show. We take stock and look ahead to the weekend as title races continue to hot up in both Premier League and Fantasy League land. Simon McDougall joins us to talk about his incredible success in the Armchair Football League. And we're back under the hood with Neil at Fantasy League Towers with Team of the Week, manual assist explanations, updates, news and everything that puts us in a different league. So here we are, Jesse. I'm all a bit all over the place here, uh, and I'll go on to say why. I, I may have revealed a bit in the intro that title races are hotting up, because they are in my league, and I don't really know how to react. But how are you? Because I'm top of my league. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not having a good I'm not having a good time. There is a lot of pressure on my auction tomorrow, I think, to try and turn this around. I'm in fifth and I'm falling off the back of the top four. Whereas even actually before this weekend, even just after the mid week fixtures, I felt like I was in and around it. I could see third. But just a really poor weekend for me. I think one of those weekends whereby so many goals were scored, if you didn't have one of those big point scorers, a lot of people picked up a lot of points very quickly. And it sounds like that's what's happened to you. It is. Because when we last spoke, it was kind of halfway through this double game week. I said that things were going okay, and they were. And then I just had a mad weekend where everything, and I mean everything, went in my favour. And that includes, like, Ariola coming off at half-time for West Ham and therefore not conceding <laughs> uh, minus points. And obviously, Cunha, Hattrick, Ollie Watkins had a brilliant game against Sheffield United on Saturday. Everything seemed to go in my favour. I'm top of the league. I've got 36 points across the two game weeks combined. And, Jesse, you'll remember, I mean, I couldn't, I shouldn't really celebrate about this too much. Was it that Callum Hudson adored the Michael Elise injury and Callum Hudson adored yes. was what I had in my head? Across both? Well, hudson Adoy is on loan at the moment, actually, with another club. And but because it's our transfer window this week, I've literally this morning just come to the agreement uh, with Tom in my league that he can have him for another month if I can just get him for one night only this week in the FA Cup. And then he can have him back for the rest of the month. But Michael Elise, which for those who didn't listen last week or those who don't remember... I got him for free in November, but I was up against another player in an auction with him. And we agreed that I could have him for free. But then if by the time March comes round, he has played for two months and we agreed that that would be eight weeks, uh, then he would buy him off me for three million. And he is one place below me in the table. And this week was the seventh week. <laughs> so all he needed to do was be available for the Chelsea game next week, which he will not. Now, the injury that he picked up uh, against Brighton means that he's lo- out for longer than I would have liked. But still, if he comes back on time, it looks like he's going to be out for two months, then I'll still have him for longer than I would have had him for it was basically just one game. So even that felt works in my favour. But yeah, like I said, I'm kind of at the top, but it's a bit, un- uh, you know, the, and the violin can come out, but it's, it's uncomfortable being at the top. I don't like the attention. I don't like the idea of trying to defend it. I don't think I've got, you know, imposter syndrome. I don't think I will defend it. If I look at my squad, it doesn't look like a title winning squad. But 
can't complain. Can What's I? the gap between you and second? The gap is a mere seven points. Okay. With the next player not too far behind either. So we do have a three-way race at the moment, as things stand. Uh, and a transfer window this week. Uh, I don't think I'll be doing much other than that sneaky hudson Adoy for the FA Cup. I don't feel like I need to. But you have got your auction this week. Yes, and I can talk about what I'm going to do because this is going to go out after the auction has happened. And I can talk about what I'm ah. going to try and do so no one will be able to listen unless, I don't know, producer Simon's bribed by someone in my league to leak the audio early to them. That would be a great fantasy league um, drama. The breaking news trickling out. So I have to get rid of Sven Botman because this man is breaking me. I had been just not, I'd just been leaving on my bench and I thought, Newcastle at home to Luton. I thought Luton had the potential to get a result, but I didn't think Luton had the potential to score four goals at St. James's Park. And I actually often like to go on a run during the three o'clock fixtures so I can listen to them while on my run. So that's what I did. I was out enjoying the South Downs whilst getting angrier and angrier and angrier as every Luton goal went in. So he needs to go. But then, as I sort of said the other week, I am kind of torn because I'll probably use that Botman spot to bring in a forward of some kind not entirely sure yet there's not a lot of good options in my league but then I'm just sort of torn on whether it's worth risking dropping another one of my forwards because yeah as I said last week all sort of nine of them are doing like scoring points in dribs and drabs like no one's in form but the risk is always, if you obviously go for someone who is in form right now, is like you immediately buy them and then they don't score you a single point for the rest of the season. So I need to sort of muse over that today, really. Um, I am going to go to... I don't normally go to the auction in person because it takes place, famously, at the Georgian Borough and I live on the South Coast. But Chelsea women are playing the Continental Cup quarterfinal, a very prestigious tournament, uh, against Sunderland so I'm already up for that so I'm going to swing through the George after hopefully Chelsea are victorious um, and then see what the damage is oh yeah I mean really kind of needs must <laughs> having to show your face show that you still mean business I just I can't get out of my head the idea of you just running along and just yeah groaning shouting Botman <laughs> and various names just me and the sheep and the, the like sort of the mood yeah your mood is completely dictated by the three o'clocks and it was a crazy three o'clock uh, over the weekend, like you said, with, with Newcastle and Luton. Um, we'll go on to talk about the games coming up this weekend, but it was also a big game in the Premier League title race between Arsenal and Liverpool. And I felt I kind of dismissed Arsenal <laughs> in the podcast last week. I said I mean, if I they got a win, Arsenal. I said if they got a win, they'd be back in it. You did. Uh, and look, it seems like it's going to be exciting there as well. I still... You know, Man City had been yet to play. I, I still think it's Man City's. And yeah, it was perhaps harsh what I was saying on Arsenal. I suppose what I was trying to say was, because I think I brought up Gabriel Jesus, is kind of, there is someone in our league who has got Gabriel Jesus and is, he's looking to get rid of him. And that's not a great sign, I suppose, if you're sort of number nine. I know he's not really a number nine, but if you're forward and you're in a title race and you're looking to get rid of him in the fan, in fantasy league, it's kind of like Arteta has become a bit used to to not really having to select Gabriel Jesus. And there was a crazy stat that he, I think this was Daniel's story, 
in the eye who said that. So he's just he started 37 of 60 Premier League games since he joined Arsenal due to his injuries. And that's only two more matches than Ivan Tony has managed, who was banned for eight months. And that's kind of like a bit of a sign there. But with Jesus not playing, it means that they are able to sort of like change up their approach a bit. And I do, did find against Liverpool that, like, I spoke about Crystal Palace and how they have two Jordan IUs, but that Havertz is kind of a bit of, like, the Jordan IU as well of Arsenal. Um, another not great player to have in Fancy League, even though what he kind of brings to that team and allows the likes of Odegaard, Saka to take advantage, even Declan Rice, to be honest. So it's quite hard with Arsenal in Fantasy League, I think is what I was trying to say, to kind of really pinpoint who you're point scorers will be because then even the likes of Saka haven't scored as well as well as they have in previous weeks that's what I was trying to say I'm not changing my mind I'm just clarifying <sighs> my Arsenal point yeah I, I think definitely from a fantasy league perspective they're a bit of a strange team also just because so much of I mean the game against Liverpool was one of their best kind of actually attacking performances I felt I'd seen in a while but so much of what it feels like Arsenal are trying to do is sort of control games and you know I think both City's loss at the Emirates and Liverpool's is like the lowest XG they've created like in individual games uh, across the season. So I think that tells you a lot about what Arsenal wants to get out of matches. Like they're more interested in not conceding, which is then funny when they conceded the goal they did concede. But I think that also makes it makes it tricky because then they're almost not interested in playing in a way that allows some of those players, even though they're good attacking players, to get the number of points that make them like an attractive fantasy league team. That's like almost the opposite to Liverpool where you're like, ah, um, trying to, trying to balance it up. The Liverpool element of it, I was surprised by kind of how poor it felt like they were. Obviously Nunez couldn't start and then there's still no Salah, but Chris, you're actually just such a hater because we just talked about how you're, you were writing Arsenal off. You've also famously said you don't really like Liverpool this season, but I've got like kind of a, this kind of goes back to my uh, auction conundrum maybe like where do you see that those sort of second string of Liverpool attackers because Cody Gakpo is someone who's possibly in the firing line for me because I feel like that's just not happening for him and that kind of feels like where Liverpool's problem is right now. Yeah I mean it's almost kind of like the conversation we could have had the other day focusing on these two teams and and comparing the two because but actually, we've got even more hindsight now, the fact that Liverpool obviously lost. They made those mistakes in that game and they showed that they're fallible. But I think the difference between Arsenal and Liverpool, and look, all I need is Man City to win the league for me to kind of feel OK about my opinions on both these teams. But I feel there's nothing worth changing in the first team with Liverpool. If you've got those first team players, um, then it's not worth changing. Whilst there might be a question mark over the likes of Jesus, Havertz, if you have them with Arsenal, I don't think that's the case with Liverpool even though, you know, and certainly not with like Van Dyke makes a mistake, you're not just going to kind of like just suddenly make a change there. Um, but even going forward, and actually, if you look at Liverpool's upcoming fixtures, Burnley, Brentford and Forest before they take on Man City, it's not a bad month to actually have those Liverpool players. And I feel there's nothing really, it's not really sort of panic stations if you do have them. Uh, they've been missing... Obviously Salah, but we haven't really said that yet. And I suppose that shows that that's okay. But yeah, if you're starting to think about Gakpo, I mean, there's also the FA Cups. It kind of really depends where your priorities are. I suppose that's kind of like the difference there is that there may be a question over the second string ones, the likes of Gakpo. But I don't think there is on any of the first team ones 
if that makes sense. Mm. Maybe I should, at this point in the season, just be turning my attentions to the FA Cup anyway and just dropping anyone who's out of the FA Cup at this point and going full full strength FA Cup. I mentioned uh, Newcastle and Sven Botman already, but we should talk about that game and talk about Luton because this goal scoring, this is this is an interesting prospect for me. But again, I get nervous about buying players who are on streaks and feeling like it might just come grinding to a halt. And, I, you know, Elijah Adebayo very much feels like in that category for me right now. So Adebayo got bought in January for us in our league um, by someone else, and he's delighted the guy who had him. Uh, obviously, we can kind of half look ahead to this weekend in talking about Luton as well, because they play Sheffield United at home. You know, there should be a big result there, especially if you do a weekly transfer window. But I don't think Adebayo is... I think Adebayo is worth looking at. Obviously, Ross Barkley, someone we almost kind of half laughed at at the start when he got brought in. But, you know, definitely worth considering. It's funny with with Luton because I have got... Whilst you at three o'clock go for a run, what I do at the three o'clock Saturdays, is I've got a WhatsApp group between three people uh, and we put a treble bet on every week uh, where we just each pick a bet each and we combine them together for a treble and we rarely win, okay? Uh, but we kind of use the accumulated money and we keep going. And someone in this on the, on the weekend said, okay, he's going to go for both teams to score in that game, Luton against Newcastle. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, a bit of a question mark, Luton are away at St. James's Park. But then when I looked at Luton's form... I was like, actually, no, maybe you're okay. Because actually, even in their away games, they had been scoring a lot of goals. And I think they're now in the top half in the Premier League of goals scored in Premier League games. They have been scoring a lot. It's not just been the home, their home form, which has led to this. So I think there are plenty. I think Luton are showing at the moment and have been showing even more than perhaps people realise that it's not just sort of like a one, two, three game wonder thing that they're going through. They've also only had one defeat in nine games, all competitions. I think they can, I think they can do this. I mean, they are conceding. I wouldn't touch a defender, but if you've got spaces, you may as well. And the likes of Alfie Doughty, again, these aren't at risk of sort of like getting minus points. And, and as we've been saying for the last few weeks, perhaps going for these players rather than going for your mid-table players or even your Cody Gakpo's, Jesse. Mm. And they're playing Sheffield United at home this weekend, as I said. Mm, yeah, I know. I think, I do think as you're saying this, I'm like, I feel like maybe I'm ready to, maybe I just need to be brutal and Gakpo needs to go. And the other person on the chopping block, I think, is Musa Diaby. Just like players who aren't playing every week. And I feel like at this point oh, yeah, of the Diaby. season, I need players. I mean, if, if your team is beating Sheffield United 5-0 and I'm not getting anything from that, it's not a good sign, is it? It's not, and it's it's strange with DRB. I'm a bit, uh, I'm I'm even annoyed, obviously for you with DRB, but also annoyed. I spoke to a an Aston Villa fan before the start of the season, who used to play in our league, but then got fired and wasn't really into it, so didn't carry on. But I was talking to him ahead of the auction of which players I should go for, and I said I wanted to go all out on on Watkins, and I was debating whether I go for Leon Bailey again, because I'd had him the last couple of seasons. And this guy, Frankie, was like, no, he was like, I know he's so hot and cold. You don't want to go for him. The play you absolutely want to go for is Diaby. And look, Diaby did start very well, but I really miss Leon Bailey. Mm. I know we're jumping around here. We're on to Aston Villa, Villa who play United uh, over the weekend. But Bailey is on, is on fire. Mm. 
you know, one of the best players in the league at the moment. And yeah, and he's he's pushed Diaby out of the team, hasn't he? Yeah, and it's tough because Diaby did start really well. And I think that's kind of why I've held on to him. And I sort of similarly, I've had Leon Bailey in the past and he's felt like he just sort of like struggled with injuries and getting into the team. And Diaby was so highly rated and yeah, such a great start. But I also feel like Emery's a manager who likes to shuffle the pack quite a lot. You know, it's not like Diaby's in a, that's why it's been hard because it's not like he's in a long run of not starting at all. He'll like sort of come in and out of the team and, you know, I've got Matty Cash and the same thing happens there. It's like, unless you sort of got like Watkins or McGinn, they're kind of like the only couple of players who are really, really starting every week for that, that Villa team. And obviously that just makes it a lot harder. Despite the fact I'm getting absolutely battered in Fantasy League, I do need to big myself up because I told everyone on last week's episode to keep an eye on David Datro Fafana. Chelsea Loney at Burnley. What's he going to do? He scores twice to get Burnley a point from 2-0 down against Fulham. So, like, I promise I do sometimes know what I'm talking about. Of course you do, Jesse. And people have gone for him, uh, I'm sure, off the back of your recommendation, just as much as the fact that he scored two goals over the weekend in our league, but he was a popular player that people have gone for, for Burnley in, in, in uh, in my league this week in the transfer window. Liverpool over the weekend away and I mean that's the thing with Burnley <laughs> but it's exactly as you said obviously saw them against Aston Villa over the weekend but I was I continue to be surprised that Burnley aren't bottom of the league and Sheffield United are I mean, like I said I saw them against Villa I can kind of see a bit why as well but Burnley it just they don't even enter my thoughts at all but like you said if you're going to have a Burnley player if there are teams out there where you're going to have sort of like one or two yeah, I, I don't think that anyone's really had more than one or two players from, from Burnley this season. It's kind of, if if we're going to talk about Burnley, we can only talk about Fifana, uh, and that's about it. But if we take a couple of steps back, and maybe you can reveal some more predictions and players to look out for with the weekend ahead, Jesse, and show you mean business in your predictions. Man City play Everton is the first fixture of the weekend. I imagine that's actually this stage of the season quite a popular one in that, you know, we've said before, most play, most managers will have two Man City players. I was surprised last week to hear from our guests that they didn't really have any Everton players. Because, I, again, as we've been saying all season, I think it's worth having those Everton players. If you have them, they're attacking players. You kind of know who are going to start. Jack Harrison, Dwight McNeil. Right, yes, there's a question mark over Calvert-Lewin, who I desperately want to get out of the team so better can come in. But there are some starters in there that, are you know, everything seems to go at least through McNeil and Harrison. And yeah, Man City showed on Monday night against Brentford how you, you just need, it's kind of like the the points get shared around there and, and you'd be silly if you didn't have Man City players. I mean, is, are there, do you think there are any Man City players who will really kind of come up in the auction for you this week in yours? Or is it that the case that people just, Man City is sewn up? I think the only the person league. available who would potentially come up is Doku still. But I think his sort of purple patch has moved on. I was wondering whether De Bruyne was available because obviously we have such infrequent windows, but obviously someone's held on to him for the season, which is understandable. So yeah, I don't think that will be a big thing there. I definitely feel like from our auction, it's going to be dribs and drabs. One player who can't have gone anywhere, but who I'm tempted to take a look at, but I probably won't because I like the Spurs players who I've got but is Timo Werner? Because he yeah. can be, he is so patchy, but like, 
does feel he's going to get the nod to start the games, there's going to be opportunities for him to to pick up points. Yeah, like I said, I think last last week it'll be interesting to see what happens when Son does come back um, and whether they start sort of using kind of almost horses for courses. But but again, if, if Werner gets really gets going now, then I suppose it's jo- Brennan Johnson or even Kulusevski um, who might move out of the team at, at his expense. Um, Tottenham face Brighton and the Saturday Jesse's run three o'clock fixtures. <laughs> yeah, again, if you compare, if you, again, if we're looking at sort of comparing where they were at the start of the season in fantasy league land, I suppose defending would have always been a concern with Ange Ball, but we're, we're, I'm sensing even in our league, the guy Toby who's got Vicario is getting rid of him this week because he's so sick of them conceding points. Uh, they're also conceding a lot of late goals. I think, like they said over the weekend, more late goals than any other side they're conceding, um, which may not have been noticed as much unless you've got a Spurs defender mm. because they they tend to score so much. But if you do have a Spurs defender, it's really starting to rile a lot of managers in our league. But as someone who's got attackers and not a defender, I, I feel different. And yeah, Tottenham against Brighton, Brighton concede goals. So maybe Tottenham can keep their first clean sheet against Brighton. Although well, I think so. Brighton, Brighton score, score goals, goals, as you will have yeah. known. That was also one of the three o'clock kickoffs I got to enjoy listening to. Mm. We'll move on to, <laughs> because Chelsea face Palace yeah. on the Monday. I, it's a big game uh, for both of us. It is, the In A Different League derby. Mm. Uh, and we can, you know, we can accelerate our way there. We've kind of spoken already about some of those other Saturday three o'clock kickoffs already. I said that Luton are playing Sheffield United, Liverpool at home to Burnley. And then on Saturday afternoon, uh, Nottingham Forest to play Newcastle. I mean, just question marks over both of these teams. We've, we've said already about Tottenham defence. You're getting rid of your Newcastle defence. It would be interesting to see if, if Eddie Howe does play Dan Byrne and those managers who've got Dan Byrne, what they do with him. I, I won't have Callum Hudson-Odoi because he's on loan at another club, but I'd I would get like a direct winger like that onto Dan Byrne if 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 Eddie Howe does choose to play him, and then yeah onto Sunday before we do hit that the the, the derby, uh, we've got West Ham against Arsenal first. We've spoken a lot about Arsenal. Um, I suppose one thing else I want we can talk about Arsenal in relation to the Liverpool game is this this idea. The big talking point from that game was obviously about over celebrating at the end. <sighs> Uh, and what the sort of marker is and whether you can celebrate, whether you can over-celebrate, under-celebrate. Do you think that that extends into Fantasy League land? Is there a limit to celebrating in your league? Well, uh, is there anyone in your league who over-celebrates, who takes out the camera like Martin Ogre? Oh, that didn't even bother me. I was going to ask what you did to celebrate your massive points haul oh. and going top. Uh, I was the was the camera out in the Pilau household. It wasn't. Someone did record a voice note of an Aston Villa girl going in. I can imagine you getting your your baby to take a photo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I need to plan it. I need to plan my celebrations more. Maybe that's why. I, like I said, I've been quite. I don't really know how to to celebrate being top, and I've and I've wanted to stay quite muted. In that, I keep saying it's right. It's not going to last because I do genuinely believe that maybe towards the end of the season. So maybe I do fall in that camp of I shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be over celebrating at this stage. Uh but there are certainly people in our WhatsApp group who tend to uh to t- who tend to really you, you know when certain players have scored that suddenly you're going to get a message in the WhatsApp group whereas there are others who don't. 
I was just going to say on the Arsenal celebrating discourse, which does make me laugh as well, is they in the women's football at the moment, Arsenal women are being criticised by their fans by not celebrating enough. And I like the idea that Brilliant. the men's enthusiasm has now unfortunately made the women look worse. And I'm enjoying that like one club into fighting celebration madness. <laughs> Also, I like, again, how the, how it was against Liverpool over the weekend. And no one's ever, ever kind of like dismissed Jurgen Klopp's fist pumping thing. Uh, you know, that, that's celebrating, isn't it? Over, like, does it after every game? It, you've, won, you've just won a match that puts you like pretty much back in the title race. And if you'd lost it, you'd have probably like had to accept that ship has sailed. Of course you're going to celebrate. <laughs> I don't get it. it I don't get it. it. All... What's the point? I think my limit, I've, I've always said my limit is and it's funny you brought up my daughter <laughs> because my limit is actually players bringing kids onto the pitch I, I don't like it so you won't be parading your daughter around you won't be taking her down i won't to be the... bringing her to the final day auction no <laughs> no 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 i just think it's kind of like it's after champions league games and everything it's annoying because like i want to see the players interact with each other i also there's a tiny bit of me which is like well, look, if you want to be on the pitch, then wait 20 years and win the Champions League yourself before you come on the game. I don't know. This, that, that's my, for some reason, that's something that I just, I, I don't like to see. Well, That's my, my opinion of the week. There we go. There we go. Anything else that stands out to you? We've skirted around the fact that both our teams are shit, which I'm impressed from, from us to do. So maybe we'll come back on next week and see. Oh yeah, I mean, who's the shittest? Well, because there's nothing to say, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna predict any players from that game. That's that's worth keeping an eye out for. I'm certainly not uh, from Crystal Palace's side. So I, I I've said everything I need to say about Palace. I think. Yeah, I mean. Oh, I, I will actually say, Jesse. Maybe I could put you on the spot here because do you know what? <laughs> shall I ask you to to read out? What Chelsea's upcoming fi- fixtures are because they're not great. I know with the Obviously, Christmas was our easy, our easy run. I've got them in front of me here, whether you have them or not. But at what point are, are you happy with any of these? And at what point does Jose uh, knock on the door and <laughs> and and walk into the dugout? Because obviously, there's the FA Cup this week that um, will have been played by the time this comes out. There's the Crystal Palace game, but then Man City, EFL Cup final. Brentford away. Brentford caused problems earlier in the season and it's a derby to some extent. Well, it is a derby. Newcastle. All right, maybe there's a question mark over Newcastle. Then Arsenal until you have Burnley before it's Man United. I mean, there's a lot of games there. Mm. If you've got no faith in Pochettino, then there's not a lot to look forward to between between now and, and, and really April. The thing I find tough is it's like everything is so reactive and up and down and whiplash and obviously the Liverpool game and the Wolves games were awful but then obviously thrash Middlesbrough okay they're they're in the championship but it was like probably one of our most confident performances of the season we played well against Villa who are a team who are currently better than us and got a nil-nil draw and like we were a fellow we were on a really good run and then we just get to this Liverpool game and it's just like I think this is the problem with having such a young team it's like any bad thing that happens they're not a group of players who can put it to bed and go again but like Mm. what's strange is I'm kind of like what was weird about the Liverpool loss was like we tended to play better against those kind of sides earlier in the season 
So before that match... True, I remember that spell. Before yeah. that match, I'd have said, well, I don't know. Maybe we can go to City and get something. Like, stranger things like have happened this season. But now it feels like the the amount of negativity... Obviously, fans of the bridge were sort of singing Roman Abramovich's name. I honestly don't know why anyone would sing Roman Abramovich's name, but that's me. Singing your Saxon, getting sacked in the morning at Poch. I personally sit on the side of being like, I don't know who you get to come in and you think it's going to do significantly better with this squad, but we'll see. Maybe it's just copium from me, but I kind of feel like things just seem to go in three match cycles sort of for Chelsea at the moment. They'll be rubbish for three games and they'll get battered and then they'll find some like weird, decent results and they'll move back up to eighth and then they'll get battered and go back down to 10th or 11th again. And that's the way it's been all season. Which sounds almost infinitely better than like even that sounds like positive things compared to compared to Crystal Palace uh, where it's all doom and gloom but anyway uh, that's the final game of the weekend Crystal Palace against Chelsea on the Monday night we'll see how we both get on the weekend I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in your auction as well I can fill you in what happens in our transfer window and yeah we'll see everyone on the other side in the meantime we'll see you for part two Hello and welcome back to part two, where we are joined by Simon McDougall from the Armchair Football League, brackets AFL. And we have to kick off because we were looking at your league before we started recording and it has something we've never seen before. And that is a golden shield, which says you have won this league 15 times. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a... yeah, we we started in 93, 94, and I think, why have I won it 15 times? I think I'm just probably the most nerdish fantasy league person in my league. As my wife will would say, you know, the fact that I get depressed if my team doesn't well doesn't do well over a weekend, so much so that she, she doesn't like fantasy football at all. She thinks it's silly, silly games. Um, my two ex-wives would probably say the same thing probably why they're ex-wives to be honest <laughs> no yeah it's um i don't know luck i don't know research luck transfers every week we have a system in our league where we do transfers every week and we still do it old school everyone sends me an email we don't use the sealed bed bids engine because it doesn't work for our bidding format where we have so if i want to bid for a player i'll say buy him if i don't get him bid for him if i don't get him bid for him so the the, the bid emails can be incredibly long and they all come to me, and then I, uh, you know, I open them all on a, on a Friday at five o'clock. So I'm sure some of them think that I cheat, but then uh, you know I don't because that would just. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I, fifteen is some of them have been very close, but yeah, I think I was just you know the most boring nerdish one probably. Sadly, well, Simon, it's not just that you've got fifteen; it's that the only other two current managers who are currently playing in your mm. league, I don't know whether others have left. Uh, the nearest challenger is that Matt George, who is currently top yeah. of the league, has won it three times. And Ollie Best, who is third in the league, has won it twice. And no one else currently playing in this 12-man league has ever yeah, won it. Yeah, some of the managers in the league um, are just not very good at crap. And they they just get too pissed at the auction. And I've got an interesting story about that, if you like. But we've had 30, so the current managers, the 12 managers now, 15 managers left over the years. So of those, some of those people, 
I probably I'm is. I'm so sick of you yeah, doing Yeah, it was who came second in every year Simon yeah. won. <laughs> there's one, there's one guy who is in it who's yeah. been second about six times. He's currently bottom this year. He's the guy who's got Foden. Yeah, though I had some ex-brothers-in-laws and stuff. They were really good at it. They were lawyers. So they had a period where they won it uh, quite a few times. Calvary was the name. I think they won a few times. They left when I got divorced. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, drunken things... I mean, there's one story from our auction two years ago, I'll just quickly give you, which sums up some of the managers. Drinking's always involved in the auction, as we know. One chap particularly had a lot to drink, so much he fell asleep. Like like this. Head down during the auction. Hadn't completed his team. So we were waking him up. Wake up, wake up. You haven't haven't even got a goalkeeper. So he woke up, proceeded to go to the sink of my friend's house, brand new kitchen, and started vomiting. And we were like, a bidding started for a goalkeeper. So he was going, 250. So he was bidding for a goalkeeper whilst throwing up alcohol. So we let him win that. Uh, then he fell asleep again for an hour and then woke up, finished the, the auction, then went out for a curry. I mean, what a legend. And how did he do that season? That season, he's usually in the bottom three. <laughs> I think, no, that season he didn't, he did all right because we had one other manager that season who, who couldn't attend the auction. So he said, I'll just pick up all the free agents at the end because he couldn't attend. He couldn't, couldn't make it for whatever reason. So he inevitably came bottom because he didn't buy, he couldn't be there. And then Cristiano Ronaldo joined. So he spent all, then he spent all his money on getting Ronaldo, who turned out to, not, to, to be not that great. So he finished bottom. So yeah, absent manager. We've we've had two of those. We've had two people not be able to make it, and either pick up the the the, the pot, or get someone else to bid for them. But the someone else for bid always ends up in the same conversation. What the hell did you buy him for? Here's the piece of paper. His name's not on the list. So so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, nerdish, um, lucky. I do take it. I yeah, passionate about it. I guess you also take advantage. I mean, obviously, this this applies to everyone in in your league, uh, but of a different point scoring system. So, having a look at your matrix in front of mm. us, and obviously, most leagues, um, the standard scoring is that three points will be awarded for a goal. Yeah, in your league, it's four. Not only that, but you are you won't give any minus points for an own goal. You won't give my, minus points for a penalty miss. I mean, obviously, I know that you know, down the list on this matrix for those who are aware of it, you know, that all of that becomes customizable. Uh, but it also means that your, you know, the person top of your league at the moment, Matt George, is on four hundred and forty seven points, yeah. which is a massive point haul. Um you're currently on four hundred and ten. And a lot of that must be owed to that, especially the four <clears throat> points for a goal. Do you want to talk us through why yeah, and when that came into being? Vote as a league every season on whether we'll change the point system or allowing different formations or whether we have a transfer window and all these things. And I'm always up for changes. I always expect the others to be up for changes because I win so many times, but they seem to be quite happy with the the the, the same format because it's complicated enough, I think is what I say. Complicated enough. But we um, we brought in defensive midfielders, which is a great idea, by the way, guys. We had that, and we but we've tweaked around. But we found we gave them too many points last year, so everyone was buying defensive midfielders because I think we gave appearance points and a clean sheet point, not as much as defenders. So we tweaked that down with goals. We always feel that goals are king, so that's why we tweaked goals up for uh, for four versus. We felt the league was getting a bit negative with four points for a clean sheet and the same for a goal. So so that's why we did it. We so, but we vote every year. It's very democratic on whether we change something. 
So I think the four points for gold probably came in, I don't know, four or five years ago, probably, and we haven't, we haven't touched it. We even talked about taking up to five, but we, we didn't in the end. Oh, wow. Um, and we just didn't like the um, – we thought the penalty miss was punishment enough without taking the point off as well. And we, we, we'll vote again. We might put red cards up to minus two. We might do that. I don't know. We'll, uh, I'm getting a bit concerned that clean sheets seem to win the day the last couple of seasons. So we might tweak that. We've talked about tweaking that down. Because if you look, I think the Matt's got the most clean sheets. Yeah, 34 clean sheets in the top of the yeah, league. Yeah, he's also got the most goals, mainly because I've always owned Ollie Watkins. And I didn't buy him this year. And instead, I went for the miracle that is Gabriel Jesus. So I'm pretty mm. bitter that my man, Ollie, is not in my team. So that's, but yeah, great player. So yeah, we tweak it every year. We, we, we always looking to make it changes, keep, keep it fresh. We change, we don't have the same man. We, we managers come in and you know, go, we've got another, I've got, there's another manager going to come in this year who seems equally obsessive to me. I might not let him in the league. Um, we don't really don't we definitely don't want any more Spurs fans. We've got too many of them. So uh, that's a funny story we always have when we we do a WhatsApp group and when the games are on, everyone's sending messages. Sometimes it becomes an echo chamber with me sending messages myself, except when a Spurs game's on. You know, the phrase Spursy comes out a lot and they just they just chat amongst themselves the whole game. Spursy, I can't believe you've done that. But you know, if you do this, it's so funny. But it's only with the Spurs fans. Where where did the league kind of come about then? You've obviously been going for, for a long, long time. It was me and a friend of mine who actually a fellow QPR fan for our tragedies. I was always interested in stats. I was When I was a teenager, I used to love writing down like the cricket scores and the football scores and making them up. Some of my favourite players got assists. and So I used to write it all down, real and fabricated, which is a bit kind of sad I suppose but also when I played football and when I watched football I was really into the players who made goals assists so I was chatting to a friend of mine who uh, we used to go to QPR together and he said oh well, we should do some sort of stat thing and then he mentioned this and then we contacted all our friends and had our first auction I think in January 94 yeah in my flat in Bucks and I think we had six or seven of us and that's how it started so my nerdish stat thing and you know us being big football fans. So that's how it started. Uh, then it was all close friends. I think my first wife was part of one of the teams. Uh, I think we've had five ex-wives come and go through the league. Not all mine, I should add. <laughs> Only got two ex-wives. So that's how it started. I, was, I, was, I, was, I just kind of also want to bring it back to, to your team and, and, and maybe sort of look, a look ahead because if, if you are going to win your 16th, um, you currently have a... 37 point deficit to make up but I'm I'm, I'm also surprised that w- within your team you, you've got quite a solid squad so looking at it now and you know you're attacking players alone you mentioned the fact that you've got Gabriel <laughs> Jesus I know you don't have Ollie Watkins but you know Cunha's having a very good season Nunes you've brought in Timo Werner you've got Raheem Sterling I know it's, you know it's not kind of like overly consistent with Sterling but you've got Douglas Luiz further back in midfield in defence, you've got Allison, Ben White. You've picked up a lot of points. I kind of it makes me want to 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 know what what the team at the bottom is looking like. Do you want to talk us through sort of maybe or sort of whether you had an auction strategy um, and also what what you think will it will take now for you personally to try and win title number yeah. sixteen? What you're going to need to do between yeah. now and the um, end of the season? With I did have sport. an auction strategy. Um, I tend to 
um, think about the players I want, write them a piece of paper still, number them one to 30. But they'll always have a price that I'll go to. Um, I was absolutely determined I was going to get up Gabriel Jesus because I thought this was going to be his season. Because I thought he'll be fit and this is going to be great. So he was my number one. So I was very happy to, and also Nunes. So I thought he's going to, second season, going to be brilliant. Of course, Jesus got injured before the season because we did our auction. This was unusual for us this season. We did our auction about a month before the season started, which I hate. I much prefer the certainty of an auction two weeks in. Oh, yeah. two weeks in once it's once it we started. We normally do that once the season um, has started over the last few years, just because. Of... So you skip the first two. Quite weeks? Quite often we have because of kids' school holidays and stuff. To be honest, whereas this season we made a determined effort to do it early. And in, for, in some cases, it was too early. Like players got like a cane, I think. Someone had cane, obviously, and he left. And then players got injured and Kunku, I think, for my stepson and Gabriel Jesus. And so I went in big on defenders as well. I bought some expensive defenders. One of them was Reese James, who for nine and a half million got me minus one point. So that, that, was, um, that was terrible. If I look back to the start of the season, I was quite near the bottom. I had a terrible defence. So I had to rebuild that a bit. And my strikers weren't, some weren't playing or weren't scoring or whatever. So steadily, I got very lucky with Douglas Louise. I got him for naught uh, in the auction because there was a misunderstanding. I knew he was down as a defensive midfielder, as a defensive midfielder. And others said, ah, don't know what you're getting him for. He was great last year as a defensive midfielder. I was like, zip. So he was a defensive midfielder. And I think, can I, I don't think, I think I've been lucky. Cooney was, is very lucky. Very, you know, I, I bought him twice, actually. In fact, I bought Almer on three times. God only knows what I'm doing that for. I think I've been lucky. I think if I stay in the top three, I'll be happy. I'm not going to win it this year. Uh, Matt has got Son coming back from the Asia Cup. That will help him. Oh, obviously, Ollie Watkins is on massive form. He's just got a more rounded team, I think. So, no, I, I won't be winning 16 this year unless, you know, it's FL, the curse of injuries or... There's just nothing in the pot now. The January window was utter garbage. You know, Werner might end up being a good buy, but once Sun's back, I think he'll be out the team, possibly. We'll see. Top three, I'd be very happy. Very happy. I guess maybe to wrap up, Simon, we should ask you, obviously, a lot of experience playing this game, a lot of success. You've talked about sort of enjoying the, like, stats, nerdy side (laughs) of stuff. What would be your big bit of advice for someone who was looking to replicate your success in their own Crikey. league? That's a really good question. I don't know, you know, natural born skills. No. <laughs> so there's lots of websites out there, uh, the Fantasy League website, but there's Fantasy Football Scout. There's the Premier League injuries table. You actually have to be on top of this stuff. Find out when players are coming back because people buy players in the auction. Uh, or, you know, I'd say so... Keep an eye on that because players could be coming back in. I mean, I bought Lissandro Martinez because he was just back from injury. Now, of course, he's now out for two months, but, you know, I sold him anyway. But but also I'd say don't hold... Because when you have an auction, you get very emotionally attached to your players. So you see, I see a lot of managers hold on to their players far too long. in the ho- Because they bought them in the auction, they're their baby. Like uh, one, one of our guys, he bought... He, he loves Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So he's held on to him until last weekend. He said, finally, I'm taking, I'm biting the bullet on DCL. It's like, yeah, finally, like three months. But you get emotionally attached or you get negatively emotionally attached. And that's one thing I would say to a manager, if you've had a bad season, 
you'll be you will hate players that let you down. But just start again the following season. Although I will never buy Reese James, ever, ever, ever <laughs> after that. Um, so that's one. That's what I would say. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just being on top of it. Uh, really, um, do drink at the auction because it makes it more fun. Not that I'm advocating alcoholism. Um, I do have one question for Fancy League about player, if it's okay. One thing I thought we've all had, because I said to the league, is there anything you want to bring out with Fancy League that you think isn't working? And unanimous, we all felt that some of the re- some of the listing of players, so like, for example, why is Doku a striker when Foden and Grealish are midfielders? There seems some odd things there that attacking wingers get made strikers. Whereas perhaps they should be midfielders. We just feel we feel that sometimes. We're just just curious why you know you get those anomalies in the team. That'd be the only thing that we we like it. We we obviously love it because we've been doing it since 1993. Shall I jump in? Here? <laughs> I over to Neil. Be. Neil's hovering in the background. Neil, that will have to. I've sat in the uh, background <laughs> listening. Uh, you know, great great chart. I think I think it's a really interesting question. I think the player list. You know, and I'll try and I'll try and answer this this fairly quickly, but I might do a, a quick follow up on this just to, to answer it specifically, because it is a really good one. I think we won't go back as to what happened this summer uh, in terms of the player list, um, really, because that was largely to do with a system that we implemented and have obviously come away from. But but largely, if if we listed every single midfielder as a striker um, or every single striker as a midfielder, it would, be, it would leave um, a large number of positions vacant um, completely vacant, and it would almost remove the need for midfielders. So there has to be a little bit of a compromise somewhere. And I think the, we made the decision a couple of years ago to move sort of attacking wingers from a midfield position mm-hmm. up to strikers, because largely that's that's where they were sort of more perceived. But I think it, it may be a case this summer where we have a really good look at um, the player list and see whether or not there's some movement. But you do you do have to be really careful, Simon, that you don't overflow your um your strikers there has to be something yeah, left in the pot from from a midfield point of view otherwise you know people will just have you know three basic midfielders and they'll have four players off the mm. pitch on their substitutes or five players as subs that are all strikers so what we try and do is make sure that there might be a small number of surprises hidden sort of easter eggs for one better phrase that people can pick but largely, we try and stick to their on-field positions. There are a couple of anomalies, and you're right. And we'll see whether we can rectify those in the summer. But it is it is a fine and delicate yeah, it's been balance a tough one you've got to have with players. We've, we've quite a lot of our teams, I mean, mine included, are loaded with strikers. Because I found that the midfield pot has been really disappointing this year. They've just underperformed most of them, <laughs> with the exception of Douglas Louise. <laughs> uh, many of them have underperformed. So we're loaded with strikers. But I think the defence introduced the defensive midfield was a really good idea because that's brought those players who nobody bought into the frame. So that was a really great idea, by the way. I think it's 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 a really interesting one. I think you say that. I think looking at so I don't know whether you've heard my story this year in terms of my team, but I've had to pick from the dregs. So I've really tried to delve into the midfielder pot to sort of really see what I can what I can pick up. And players like Kudos, Palmer, Gibbs White, Doughty, Gordon. They're all yeah, really true. good midfielders, you know, that are available there. If you're lucky, if you're lucky with it and you sort of buy at the right time, um, they can really boost your team as, you know, pretty much I've been saved this year by, by my midfielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Palmer's an interesting one because I was going to buy him and instead I reckon a good friend of mine in our league, he doesn't get any time to do it. His name's Stav. He's just, he's on his feet all day. He's, uh, he's, 
a kitchen fitter, builder, decorator. Doesn't get in front of the computer. So I always help him a bit. I say, mate, so-and-so's injured in the team. You might want to have a look. He's like, well, what do you reckon? And there's one week I said, well, you could go, you could go for Cole Palmer. And he was like, what? I was like, and I was thinking about buying it myself, but I was like, oh, I mean, I was hoping that Doku might come in because I'd heard he was coming. So, I, so what a piece of advice that was. And I was really pleased for him as well because that was, he wasn't, he was at City at the time. So not playing. So it was a bit. Oh, so he bought, pa- he bought Palmer at City. Amazing. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. probably one of few people that is still a, still in a in a Man City shirt in his squad as well. That's like a collector's item. That yeah, literally. I don't think he played for City. I think he played like twenty minutes, and it was there was rumours about Chelsea or someone else. And he had, to be fair, in the auction he bought Mares who left. So I felt like he was owed one really um, after that. So yeah, that was a that was a cracker buy of the season. Well, Stav is in sixth place in your league, and and and. One one goal off being the top goal scorer, and 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 that's probably uh, he owes a lot to he owes a lot to Cole Palmer. He owes a lot to you, Simon. <laughs> he helps me out with lots of little jobs in my house that I couldn't possibly do. So he keeps me out of trouble from my wife, definitely. Only in the building stuff. <laughs> well, Simon, it was brilliant to hear about your league uh, and your team. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, listeners, if you would like to talk about your team, your league your fellow managers, you can get in touch with us by email podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. You can also find us on social media at Fantasy League. That's it for part two. Join us in part three, where we will be, as ever, with Neil Mansfield. So into part three, and we have with us, as ever, Neil Mansfield. Neil, welcome and thank you. Because it was the manual assist to Ollie Watkins late on Saturday night or early on Sunday morning when I read it, which put me top of my league and it was a surprise even to me. So thank you for the little nudge into first place. Uh, uh, Our pleasure, as always. As always, not a problem. Glad to help where we can. Glad to help where we can. Well, it was an interesting week, wasn't it? You know, from from a manual assist point of view, couple of contentious ones maybe over the last week or so. I think we've clarified most of them um, now on the manual assist page, but I'm happy to walk through a couple of them. Probably the first one that's worth talking about is the Luke Shaw one for the uh, the Hoyland goal, Wolves versus, I think it was Man United. So we're going back to the 1st of Feb. Quite a complex one, this, um, but oddly the assist panel met for this. So, um, we all sat down, you know, Zoom, had a, had a look through it because um, there were a couple of questions about it. And it's, it's a difficult sort of um, one to look at just because of the way that Shaw's cross came in. And, and actually, if you look at it in detail, what actually happened is that it it's initially deflected off, a, off the Wolves defender. And this sort of deflection sends it off in a different direction to Shaw's cross and through the goalkeeper's legs. As it goes through the goalkeeper's legs... It hits the top of his, I think it's his right thigh, um, and it's deflected again at a different angle. So it's a little bit like the JFK magic bullet theory, almost, you know, where it's sort of ding-dongs around everywhere. Can I say that? I don't know. I think it's the first time a manual assist has ever been compared to a presidential assassination. We can say that for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I was, you know, I was just I was thinking it definitely goes in all different directions. 
And, and then obviously off the keeper's right thigh is deflected again onto the toe of Hoyland. So I think that's enough in itself, really, to sort of say that, you know, there were too many different deflections in different angles. And there's a really good view behind uh, the goal that sort of really sums it up quite nicely. And actually, I think without that original deflection, it was clear for us as well that the keeper would have saved the cross. So I think, you know, once we'd all sat down, we'd had a look at the footage properly, we'd gone through it. It was it was quite an easy one to um, deny or not award is probably a, a, a better better phrase to use. Well, it's great to hear that you go into so much detail on it. <laughs> Which I think has been a bone of contention, you know, for a couple of people on on email and also um, on Twitter, is the Martinelli goal for the Liverpool Arsenal game, and it's a really difficult one. You know, everyone was sort of, you know, suggesting that you know it really should have been an assist for Gabriel. And again, it's you know we've met quite a lot. The assist panel met again, and this was this was sort of the second time in a week, which is really quite rare because normally the manual assists are fairly straightforward and. You don't really need to convene the assist panel, but we did meet again. And I think I think what's interesting about this is that, you know, I'm not entirely sure that that the Gabrielle sort of poof was was ever really intended for um for Martinelli anyway, but that's immaterial to some extent. I think if you look at it carefully, there's almost like a a golfing sort of, you know, backspin element on the ball as it sort of um as it lands and bounces. And I think that's what, in some respects, sort of deceives Alisson. So I think the, the way that we've written this up is the initial bounce deceives Alisson. He almost has like a, a double air kick in the air. He misses it the first time. And then as he goes for the second time, his, I don't know whether it's his right or his left foot, nudges the ball. And what actually happens then is that it actually slows down uh, the speed of the ball and presents it for Martinelli just to tap in. And there's a specific rule that we've got, you know, that, um, that's about if the speed of the ball is impacted and the attacker doesn't need to adjust or needs to adjust as a result of that touch, the manual assist is removed. So on this occasion, you know, it, it's, it's the little nudge off Allison's boot that slows down the speed of the ball. And as a result of that, we've, we've removed the assist for that as well. But those are two fairly complex explanations. So I hope that helps everyone. It's funny as well, because what I really like is if you've got those players, if you are affected by either of those, you will know every little single thing that Neil is talking about. If you don't, it really goes completely over your head because you're like, well, you didn't even consider it. But that, I suppose that's the beauty of this game, right? Is that you become obsessed with every single thing that your player does or is affected by. And they would have been there listening and be like, yeah, no, it was right thigh. It was left foot. It did go this way. Um, so, I mean, there you are. Everyone's got an individual team. Everyone's got a different league. And Neil, I hear that you come as well with another gift to tell us about the best performing individual team of the week. Yeah, I mean, this this is is an absolutely whopping score. I haven't even shared it uh, with yourself or with Jesse yet. But uh, there's a there's a, a team called Maybe Next Year Then that's managed by Matt Lenori. Excuse me if I got the pronunciation wrong there in a league called the New Age Online Auctioneers League. There's seven teams in it, and he has scored a whopping 59 points. Wow. Absolutely phenomenal. So quickly, I thought it was worthwhile just running through his team. So um, he's got Alisson, Alexander-Arnold, Trippier, 
Consa, Saliba, uh, Foden, Elise, Silva, Ward-Prowse, De Zeus, Watkins, Palmer, Calvert-Lewin, Morris, Luton and Richarlison. So he got so, that title um, even with Thiago uh, Silva in his team. Indeed. Blimey. Well, and even with, you know, even Alisson conceded and Trippier conceded. I mean, I know Trippier got points there as well, but as in like he, he got enough minus points, he could have conceivably... I mean, 59 means, because obviously it was a double game week, so 59 means that he's annoyingly one point shy of a double 30-point mm. weekend, yeah. right? You know, if 30 is the marker for a week and then there were two, so it would be 60... If it wasn't for one of those defenders or Allison or Trent or whoever it was, he could have very conceivably got sixty. So actually, I, I've made a mistake. It's not it, it's uh, Bernardo Silva, oh, not Thiago okay. Silva. So no, you're right. He didn't ha- he didn't have a particular Chelsea defender in there? But uh, yeah, so phenomenal. I thought that was absolutely brilliant and really worthwhile. I mentioned so well done, Matt. That's an absolutely incredible total. Um, you know, well done. Fair play. Yeah, well done. We we spoke in part one about over-celebrating and celebrating. Uh, we invite you to come onto the podcast and to celebrate as much as you like. Uh, we'd love to find out about your team, your league, and tell us how you celebrated your all-but 60-point weekend. By the way, just, just butting in there as well, as, as, a, uh, as a Liverpool uh, individual, should we say, I don't think Arsenal celebrated unduly. I think they've got every right to celebrate as they did, so fair play to them even though that was extremely hard to say, I might add. So magnanimous. <laughs> so the, Neil has spoken. Neil's manual celebration <laughs> the <other> thing, update. <laughs> yeah. Two points awarded the other for thing Martin Odegaard. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the way he, right, he lifts his left thigh in that celebration <laughs> and adjusts the shutter speed on the, on the camera just before taking the photo... I don't know. I didn't really. I didn't, I didn't take offence. Anyway, it doesn't matter what I think. Anyway, it's not really important. Uh, fair play to Arsenal. Great win. So the, the final thing I thought I'd mention quickly are just transfers. So we had a really quiet week for the last couple of weeks. It's been it's been really quiet. In fact, with transfers, uh, that's somewhat been sort of uh, smashed into oblivion, for want of a better phrase, over the last seven days. It's been the highest number of transfers, uh, as you would expect with it. You know, the closure of the the transfer window. For quite some time. So let's quickly run through the transfers out. Uh, I think, again, these are fairly obvious ones. Shalabar, Castro, Otto. The, the only odd one in there is Pedro. Pedro comes in sort of um, in, into the top three. João Pedro. João Pedro, yeah, transferred out. I know. It's 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 not a statistical <laughs> error. It's definitely in there, which I, I'm struggling to, to understand. One of my best players this season. <laughs> Bizarre. Anyway, there's nothing really unusual out of that. I think you've got a lot of uh, a lot of leagues, perhaps, um, who run sort of you know uh, maybe two monthly auctions or wait until the end of the transfer window before opening up their uh, second sort of uh, auction of the season, if you like. So there are some sort of historical players that uh, have been sort of injured for quite some time that have been taken off. There are sorry marshes on there as well. So I think that probably falls into that category. In terms of transfers in, I think I'll open it to the floor and see if you can guess the most transferred in player. Adebayo? No, that wasn't not for that one, Jesse. We spoke, we spoke about Werner in the first half, in the first part. Whether it could be someone like Ver, him. Werner is in the but top that maybe maybe 10. that was done at the start of the month. Tell tell you what, he's a defender. <laughs> a defender. Well, people are getting rid of Jao Pedro and doing? buying defenders. And buying 
I think it's my influence. Mikhailenko or someone, just because he's up there. I think it's my influence last week. I did talk about a particular Liverpool player who had a bucket load of assists Bradley. in a small number of games and a goal. Connor Bradley. Connor Bradley, well done. Sad Three news. managers are battling for him in our... Sad news about his father. So, you know, in that respect, you know, um, we, you know, we send uh, we send our thoughts, but so, yeah. So he was um, he was the, the the most transferred in player, and then just beneath him, with a, another whopping number, is a certain Forest striker who's been injured for a little while. Awani. Yep. So he's back. It's got to be Awani because he's the most popular in ours this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I will reveal that mo- the way that it works in our league. What my sneaky thing that I'm doing this week. Obviously, I'm br- I've, I said how I'm bringing. In Hudson Adoy for a one game one game deal this week before putting him back out on loan just for the FA Cup. And because I'm really thinking about the FA Cup even more now, I am in the Awani auction and our deadline is Friday at six o'clock. I can't afford him. Everyone will be racing to try and get him. I know that I can't afford him, but I'm basically gonna filibuster my way beyond the Nottingham Forest game so that no one can have him. And then I will only say oh. I'm out of the auction once wow, that game Wow, that's happened. sneaky. There's another little thing that I'm doing this week. Tactics that I can reveal in here. on the podcast this week. <laughs> oh, 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 right. Well, okay. So, so yeah, Jesse and I both have our transfer windows. Auctions, obviously doing it in different ways this week. So we'll be um, influencing the stats even more uh, next week, Neil. And, and I, I genuinely do mean it. I really hope that we can, we can get that guy on. What was it? Matt? Um, who scored the 59 points. So if that was you or you know him, or you're in his league, do get him to email us, podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk, so we can feature him on the podcast. Um, you can also get in touch with us on social media at Fantasy League. And I think that's it for this week. So thanks to Neil for joining us. Thanks, of course, to Jesse, producer Simon. Thanks to our guest in part two, Simon McDougall. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you on the podcast next week.